Hello guys, Adam here and welcome to another episode of Beat Your Backlog, the podcast that focuses on that one thing that gamers like to put off, that get to another day, and oh yes, will definitely beat their backlog. And yeah, this episode is actually kind of a little bit off uh, the main episode kind of streak, I would say. This is kind of maybe more of like a bonus episode. I want to kind of do one of these every month because I think it's just kind of interesting to talk about things around gaming as well, uh, not just the games on the backlog and reviewing them, but discussing some some broader topics. This month's kind of bonus episode is about my most anticipated games for 2023. And you might say, Adam, you should be focusing on the games that you already have, not the games coming out later this year. And yes, that's true. But like I said, I think there is a, a healthy balance in having games on your backlog that you finish and beat and also games to look forward to. So I've put together 10 or so games that I'm really excited for for 2023. It could be a uh, argued that I might not actually play them all in 2023 and I highly doubt that I will play them all in 2023. But nevertheless, it's interesting to look forward to some games coming out this year and these kind of podcasts get a lot of clicks. And since it's a new podcast channel, I want to get as many people listening as possible. So hopefully some CEO magic will work here and we will get some new listeners into this. Most anticipated games, like I said, there should be about 10 or 11 over the broad spectrum of video games uh, from lots of different consoles, even some Steam games, which is ironic because I don't have a decent laptop. Yeah, let's get into them. And we will start with number one, which is Dave the Diver. So if you don't know Dave the Diver, it's actually making the rounds right now on on Twitch and social media of gamers and gaming because it just released in early access on Steam. Um, It's a game made by uh, Mint Rocket, which I believe are a Korean developer. And it's a very interesting game. And I think it could maybe become 2023's version of Cult of the Lamb. Just because it's 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 a game that mixes together lots and lots of different genres, but in doing so takes just a pinch of different games, puts it all together and creates something completely new and unique. And you might have guessed because of the name Dave the Diver that the game is about diving and that might have taken you down to two options. Either he is a scuba diver or he is a so a high board or high whatever they're called divers. And yes, the actual what he is is a scuba diver and the game is about Dave, who is the diver, coming into this new area in the world that's just been discovered called the Blue Hole, where for some reason there is every fish imaginable appears in this in this Blue Hole. Uh, the game is based around you hunting for fish, obviously, and what's kind of cool is, and how it kind of reminds me a bit of Cult of the Lamb, is, is that the main kind of game arc is, is the hunting for the fish, but you use these fish to supply a sushi restaurant. Uh, which then kind of mixes in this, okay, you are managing a restaurant, you are going out looking for the ingredients for your restaurant, and in the end, it mixes together sort of fishing mechanics where you have this harpoon gun which you have to aim to shoot fish and then reel them in, and it mixes in the the hotel slash restaurant management mechanics of making sure the right dishes go to the right customers, making sure customers are happy, getting money to upgrade your restaurant, and then also upgrading your scuba suit. And you mix this in with a wacky but kind of charming story, uh, some roguelike elements. So every time you go fishing, the underwater area looks different. And as you progress the story, you upgrade your suits and you can then progress further into the underwater depths, find new fish, find new story elements. And uh, yeah, I think you've got one hell of a spicy indie roll sushi ready for 2023. It's really popular right now. So if you're listening to this podcast around the release so in, in mid-January I'm pretty sure you'll be seeing people streaming it and for an early access game on Steam the polish on the game is just 
top level. Like you wouldn't expect it to be an early access game because it's it's from what I've seen and it's been a few hours of watching streamers play it. It's very content rich, content full, maybe a little bit too content full. Like the game has so many mechanics that get layered on top of each other every single uh, in-game day. It's really incredible and it looks gorgeous. It's pixel art. It's made in kind of a 3D rendered pixel art, but kind of on like a 2D plane. Really, really beautiful, and I highly suggest you check it out. And if you are not really a Steam player, don't worry. There is a Nintendo Switch port hopefully coming this year. I don't think there's actually any release date put on the Switch port. But until then, this is the game that might convince me to buy a Steam Deck because I just want to play it. Like, I've been watching streamers play the game, and it looks it looks fantastic, and I can't wait to, to get my hands on it and play it myself. Number two for me is Hogwarts Legacy. It's a shame that there's quite a lot of controversy surrounding this game. Um, whatever your decision is to, to buy it or, or not to buy it, um, I think it's hard to argue with when you actually look at the game kind of subjectively or objectively, objectively, that it, it does look like a, an amazing looking Harry Potter game. And I think it's, yeah, it's a shame because a lot of Harry Potter fans have really wanted a game like this since, you know, back in, in the PlayStation 2 days with the Chamber of Secrets and, I remember playing that game myself and just and also the what the one before Philosopher's Stone where it just felt like back then Hogwarts was so huge and it was there was so much to do and you really kind of felt like a wizard and when you look back on those games now it's very obvious that yeah okay there wasn't really much to Hogwarts whereas yeah Hogwarts Legacy this next gen huge game encompassing all of what we know as Hogwarts but setting the game much earlier before the Harry Potter series it gives the, the creators of the game a lot of a lot of room to play around to to kind of not, not be too confined to what we already know in kind of the Potterverse, but hopefully to create their own story, to create their own interesting characters and, and also give the player a chance to kind of be part of that story and, and have some sway over it. A really good, great looking game. Like I, I'm, I'm really excited to check out Hogwarts and to kind of, I don't know, I'm very much in a Harry Potter mode at the minute or, or, or mood because I was in London a few weeks ago at the Harry Potter experience and got to saw, see all of the props and everything there. And me and my wife are currently watching through the movies again because we were at the experience. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing, firstly seeing how people react to this game because it is by WB and WB they they do have a bit of a funny record with games recently like the um uh, what was it like the Gotham Knights game didn't review too well and also they had the things with the Shadow of War games like the Lord of the Rings games with all of the microtransactions so I am kind of waiting for reviews to see if I will play the game but just from the outside looking in at the videos they've released, it's definitely a game that I'm, I'm excited to see what uh, see it release, see how players react to it, see how critics react to it, and then maybe make my own decision about whether I'll jump in and try to become part of the wonderful wizarding world of Harry Potter. At number three, we have Marvel Spider-Man 2, or I guess maybe Marvel Spider-Men 2. Spoilers if you haven't played the, the original game and the DLC, the Miles Morales DLC. I actually finished the Miles Morales DLC see over Christmas so I'm I'm kind of fresh in fresh off of the game and kind of ready to 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 move on and see what Insomniac do do next because yeah the first Spider-Man game was such kind of a revelation especially the movement around the city of New York the kind of the story which I think was to be fair was quite a basic Spider-Man story but Insomniac made it feel very much its own thing like it, it belongs to them it's not from a comic I mean there, there probably be aspects from comics and and from movies but they really tried to create I feel like a smaller story teach uh, telling you who Peter is involving Miles Morales 
And then the Miles Morales DLC was even more so, okay, here is a story based mostly in Harlem between Miles, you know, learning how to become his own Spider-Man out of Peter's shadow. So I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with Spider-Man 2 because the first thing is, okay, how, how are you going to play as both of the Spider-Men? Because, um, yeah, I think that's already been confirmed that both of them are in the game, at least in the teasers. I'm kind of wondering how if, if it's going to be kind of like a thing where you're, you're switching between the two Spider-Men as the game goes on. So some sections you play as, as Peter, some sections you play as Miles, or maybe there are sections where you interchange. Like um, if you imagine a way out, kind of like that, like I could imagine that being like a case like you, Peter is outside of a building and Miles is infiltrating it and for a while you play as Peter and then it switches to Miles inside the building. Like something like that could be really cool. And I think also, yeah, them introducing Venom kind of like elevates the story up it's like okay we we know who these two spider-men are we kind of know their backstory how they got the powers how what how they've established themselves in new york but now is like a an a-league villain for them to fight against and i'm really yeah really excited to see how that that plays out and what they do to actually evolve the gameplay because i think one problem they're gonna have is that now we've seen new york two times and it was nice seeing New York in winter, especially because I played it over winter, so it added to that Christmassy feel. But it might be that now New York becomes a little bit too much of the same old, same old. Because, yeah, I mean, it's Spider-Man goes hand in hand with New York, but in a lot of Spider-Man games, we've seen them in, we've seen it in New York. So I'm wondering if there's going to be like a shift in scenery there. Like we've seen it with the Marvel movies, like the the second one took place in, in Europe because I think they also wanted to get the series out of New York so it'll be yeah it'll be definitely interesting to see what they do if they do move it out or into another city how Venom gets introduced and how he affects the story maybe one of the Spider-Man will Spider-Men will get taken over by, by Venom that's also something that I think could happen but yeah it's coming out hopefully at the end of 2023 on PlayStation 5 I think it's just on PS5 I don't think it's coming to the to PS4 but let me know if, if that's if that's not correct so that's Marvel Spider-Man 2. Number four is the most intimate game we have so far because I believe it comes out in 10 days time because I'm recording on January 10th and that is Fire Emblem Engage. So a bit of my backstory here is I wasn't really a Fire Emblem fan. Like I always liked the idea of playing Fire Emblem and getting to know your characters, building up relationships with them. But it was always kind of a time issue because I know those games are very, very long. And yeah, usually I don't have that much time to play that many 50 to 60 hour games with multiple replayability campaigns and, and friendship storylines and et cetera, et cetera. But Free Houses was actually my lockdown game in 2020, alongside, of course, everyone's lockdown game, which was Animal Crossing New Horizons. And I think, yeah, if it hadn't been locked down, I definitely wouldn't never have found the time to actually finish the game. But because it was uh, locked down and because I wasn't at work, I was at home, I got to play all the way through Free Houses. And it's one of my favorite games. It's such like a great, great strategy kind of narrative game. Yeah, I think Engage already looks like it's it's got a cool cast of characters that I'm, I'm interested to know. There's, there seems to be like a quirky concept there with this kind of blue and red haired protagonist like Fire Emblem always has. Yeah, I think they've, so what they've shown so far, there's some cool tweaks to the combat that is also going to keep it very Fire Emblem feeling, bring it into the, the next level and give players something a little bit more to play around with, which is cool. The only thing I'm a bit worried about with this game is that, yeah, I think maybe the reason I liked Free Houses so much was because you had this kind of Hogwartsy schoolhouse kind of rivalry between between the Free Houses and between the Free Empires, which isn't going to be there in Engage. 
So, and also I enjoyed walking around the, the school, you know, talking to people, leveling people up, buying goods for battle, really feeling like you are a member of this school and, and or a teacher of the, at this school, which is going to be interesting to see if Enge, how Engage does that, how Engage kind of brings all of these characters into one place. Like I said before, it won't be long till we find out. It comes out on January 20th. My other big worry about the game is, yeah, the Nintendo Switch in 2023. It seems to be a bit of a mixed bag putting first party games out on the Switch recently. Of course, we had the Pokemon games that came out towards the end of last year and the huge issues they had with them. But then Nintendo, also some other Nintendo first party games that weren't developed by Games Free kind of came out and were a bit framey. So my my worry too is, is that, yeah, Fire Emblem might come out and, and not be very stable. And yeah, as 2023 goes on and this generation goes on, I think the Switch is becoming more and more kind of outdated. And these huge first party games are going to start struggling on it. So I'm a little bit worried about that. But yeah, like I said, we'll find out soon enough. And if the reviews are good, it might be a game that I pick up and uh, yeah, hopefully jump into at some point. At number five, we have Have a Nice Death. And this is specifically about the Switch version of the game because I believe the Steam version has already been out for a couple of months. And Have a Nice Death is, an, is one of those games, it's an indie game where, but, well, it's an indie game that's developed, or sorry, published by Gearbox Studios. So it's kind of like, I guess you would call it a triple I indie game. And it's another one of those games that kind of falls into this newish genre of you play as Death or you play as the Grim Reaper slash you play as like the anti-hero. And the idea is, is that, yeah, you are Death himself and you work at Death Incorporated. And as Death, your bosses are just putting so much pressure on you, drowning in paperwork. You're on the verge of a break, uh, a breakdown and a burnout. And you decide, hey, enough is enough. I need a vacation. And the game's premise is, is that you work your way up through the corporation of Death Incorporated, fight bosses who are your actual bosses, like it's kind of the pun there, get to the top of the ladder and finally earn yourself a vacation. The game itself, it's, it's kind of looks a bit like a mix between a Metroidvania with roguelite elements. So if you think of maybe Death, uh, what they call Dead Cells, not, I nearly said Death Stranding, Dead Cells, like a similar, very fast paced combat, lots of a different variety of weapons, but what really drew, drew me to this game was the game's art style. It's very monochrome or monochromatic, again, like Death Star, because it's set in this in this corporation of death. But what I really like is that the game adds bursts of like really saturated color during the combat. So it makes your 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 attacks feel very powerful and very bright. And yeah, it just a really interesting game. Um, there aren't really that many indie games that I'm interested in, to be honest, this year, because I feel like maybe a lot of them haven't been announced yet or haven't given solid 2023 dates. But yeah, Have a Nice Death is definitely one that I've, I've had my eye on for a while. Looking forward to the Switch release because I, then I can just lay back on the sofa and play it. Unless, of course, I end up buying a, a Steam Deck to play uh, Dave the Diver. Have a Nice Death, March 8th, be definitely one I'll be looking out for. At number six is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And now probably is a good time to actually say that this list is not in any particular order um, because, yeah, for some people, they might be like, oh, why isn't Zelda your number one? The list just is just in the order that I thought up of the games that I'm looking forward to. There's no ranking or anything. Tears of the Kingdom, what what is there to say? I still think Breath of the Wild is probably the, the best game that's released in the last 10 years. Yeah, it was such an experience playing that game. And I still, I still know people. I still have like a, a friend of mine who, who is still playing the game regularly. 
and he still hasn't beaten Ganon. He just enjoys just playing through it, just really unearthing every single secret, every single puzzle, just taking his time, working through, through it really, really slowly. He loves it. And it's kind of <laughs> going to be interesting for me to see if he actually manages to finish the game before Tears of the Kingdom comes out. Um, knowing him, he probably won't do. And I think it's quite interesting too, because Nintendo seem to have their cards held very close to their chest with this game. Like, we don't really know that much about it. There's been a couple of videos, but there is still this kind of belief that you do play a Zelda at some part in the game, because we saw in the videos that Link is in two different uniforms. So there's a lot of secrecy here. I'm also a bit like what I said with Marvel Spider-Man. It's like, how, how are they going to change the map? Because I imagine the map is going to be very similar to the one in Breath of the Wild. But there will be some things changed. So maybe we're further forward in time and the world has been affected in some way by something. Whatever the new evil is in the game. And that changes it up. Also, yeah, the, the Switch functionality and the game running well on the Switch is, is a little bit of a worry. In theory, it shouldn't be too bad because I imagine they're reusing most of what they had for Breath of the Wild but just yeah remaking the puzzles like making some new asset assets but oh man it would be such an amazing thing if they had released a new switch this year or they do release a new switch at some point this year with 4k even if it's just something like 4k upscaling just to be able to play the game in in a really high modern resolution with 60 frames a second would be would be amazing I don't think that's going to happen but nevertheless, just from like a game design standpoint, Breath of the Wild was amazing and I expect uh, Tears of the Kingdom to be the same. So can't wait for it to come out. I didn't actually look up if it has a release date, but I know it's coming out at some point this year. But if it does have a release date, yeah, just let me know. And number seven, we have one for the Bioshock fans and that is Atomic Heart. This game, I actually really only recently heard of it and most of that came from a lot of other lists of, of game, most anticipated games for 2023. I have played the Bioshock games. I don't think I've ever finished any of them, but I've definitely started them all. And it was always, I remember back when I started playing them, they were old games then. And I've for me, I've always had this vision in my head of the, the Bioshock games are very grey and brown and green because it's underwater and the graphics are kind of a bit bit like old and outdated. So I've never, I think that's why I've never gone back to them. But Atomic Heart, it's yeah, you can tell it's very heavily inspired by by Bioshock. There is the same kind of utopian slash dystopian city that you get to explore. You, you you're using these crazy futuristic, but still at the same time kind of old-fashioned guns. You have these kind of magical powers that somehow either are bestowed on you genetically, or somehow some accident happens and you get these these electrical powers. So it's definitely along the lines of Bioshock. Bioshock fans, I think, are really going to like it. But I, what I really like is that it's set in kind of a communist... Yeah, I guess it's utopia that turns into dystopia, where the there is a lot of androids and robots and everything looks very clean and polished but then there's all yeah all of these robots wandering around that look kind of a bit corrupted and yeah it just looks it's just a very different take to to Bioshock but I, I'm really excited to kind of get into it and hopefully have the same vibes that Bioshock has the same kind of feeling of this weird semi-futuristic futuristic place but with beliefs that are kind of old-fashioned like I'm really excited to see it and the game so far from the videos we've put out of it, like I think there was one where NVIDIA did one. The game looks really gorgeous. All of the, the kind of HDR and the lighting on, I can't remember the official name of it, but the lighting on, on the water, the reflections, just everything looks really polished to a high standard. So I think this is going to be the game that maybe pushes me into getting into Bioshock, playing this one and being like, okay, I should go back and play these, these older versions of the games. I mean, there is a remaster now, so maybe the remaster looks 
a bit nicer. But yeah, Atomic Heart comes out at the end of February, I believe. So I'm, I'll be excited to explore the floating cities then. In at number eight, we actually have our first piece of DLC, and that is the Burning Shores DLC for Horizon Forbidden West. And I actually haven't played Horizon Forbidden West yet. The first game I played, I platinumed it at the time when it came out back in 2017, I think. And yeah, I really, really loved the game. Like, it, again, it was a bit like what we talked about before with Cult of the Lamb and Dave the Diver, where it was one of those games where it seems to have taken little bits from lots of different games and put them all together and created not something unique in this sense, because the game does feel very much like, okay, go over here, go to this bandit camp, clear it out. Okay, go over to this tall, long neck, climb it get like a view of the area but it just seems to have, yeah it almost perfected those ubisoft style games without we've just taken out so much of the clutter and just keeping the stuff that is important and making it not too repetitive and annoying like ubisoft games used to be like i, I don't think ubisoft games are as bad as they are now uh, as they were but there was a stage in ubisoft games where yeah it was just checkbox after checkbox your map was full of stuff to do but what yeah the original horizon game had also was a really intriguing story there was of course this idea of where why are all of these machines here why do they look like animals why have why has humanity kind of dwindled down to these tribes that kind of specialize in different things and what what had really happened to the world and it was really interesting as you go through the story with Aloy finding out about how the world came to kind of an end and this idea to, to rebuild it and then the rebuilding process went wrong and that's why all of these animals became all these machines became hostile and they were just so creative especially you had stuff like the, the dinosaur versions of the of the robots like I said the long necks these kind of climbing puzzles uh, which Sony loves to put in their game is is climbing for some reason. They always have climbing in their games. Yeah, just the modularness of being able to shoot off parts, unearthing or uncovering like critical crit hit parts where if you shot them with diff with special types of arrows, it was just really a really well designed game. It looked beautiful. It was still one of the best looking games on the PS4. I think the only game that really maybe surpasses it is God of War. And yeah, the reason I haven't played Forbidden West yet is because I was waiting to get a PS5. Now I have a PS5 and more or less around the same time when I got my PS5 is when they announced Burning Shores. And I had this problem with the original game where they launched the DLC like six months after the, the game release. Because I, I think originally they didn't plan to do any DLC, but the game was so popular and, and had quite, like, quite a good reception and, and was quite successful that they made it. And then six months later, I went back and tried to play the DLC, but had no idea what you were doing. And it was also, I think it was post-game DLC. So it was very difficult to get back into the swing of it, having not really played the game for a while. So for me, there was already, obviously, you guys know, a lot of games on my backlog now that I want to play. But around April, my plan is to get Forbidden West, get the DLC, and just play through the whole thing in one go. And yeah, I'm really excited to, to do it. At number nine, we have Starfield, and this is a game which I think Xbox and Bethesda have a lot of hope in because it seems like Xbox's whole first-party sort of marketing is going to be based around this game this year. The game itself, from what we've seen, I don't think it looks that impressive, and to be fair, we haven't really seen that much of it. Like, There's been a couple of videos, but still, in the videos, it's more being sort of walking around, exploring the environment, exploring space, because of course it is a space-themed game. And rightly so, it's been getting a lot of comparisons to No Man's Sky, which, yeah, I mean, it does feel a lot like No Man's Sky. I would argue that it stylistically looks a lot kind of worse than No Man's Sky. At least what we've seen so far, it's very grey and kind of dull and looks way more realistic, whereas No Man's Sky has more of that 70s sci-fi theme kind of inspiring it. I'm sure like most of you, 
much of my teenage years and and early well, well, mid and early 20s was spent playing Bethesda games. Like my first one was um, Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, then it was Skyrim and Fallout 3, Fallout Vegas and Fallout 4. And at the time I really liked all of those games, like really liked them, like put hun- like hundreds of hours into each of them. But like looking back now, you can kind of see, yeah, okay, those games were maybe good for the time, but most of them haven't really aged very well, apart from maybe you could argue Skyrim and New Vegas. So it's just that kind of, okay, what is next? This is going to be the next big pillar of Bethesda as a development studio. It's, you know, Todd Howard is is kind of directing it or or producing it and it's kind of come from his head. So it's like, okay, what can they do with hopefully a a decent engine, uh, a more modern engine, a more modern approach to to making games? Because I think that was a big issue with Fallout 4 was that they seem to have built Fallout 4 in kind of like a bubble where like, okay, let's improve Fallout 3. And they did improve Fallout 3, but when you compare that game, because I think it came out in 2015, you pair that game to other games that came out in 2015 that were similar, similar, like The Witcher 3, and you can just see that, yeah, okay, Bethesda, they've improved on themselves, but what the market was doing was just completely different, and a studio at the time that was less well-known in CG Project Red made this amazing RPG that was massive and had these branching storylines and much better-looking graphics and... Just everything was better. So I hope, yeah, with Xbox being involved, Starfield will be a bit more well-rounded as a game and hopefully will be more of kind of like an innovation to the genre of these first-person Western RPGs rather than just being like, here is a Bethesda RPG, which is a bit better than the last Bethesda RPG. But time will tell, I guess, with that. I believe the game doesn't have a solid release date yet, but they, they did confirm that it is coming in the first half of 2023 or was it q1 I can't, I can't remember what but yeah like i said this might be the game this is the game that people are saying might be at the end of the year xbox's first game of the year award nominee for the last few years so and i hope it is because i feel like xbox really needs to get a game that is seen as kind of not just a good xbox game but a good game all all round and the amount of money they put into buying bethesda for these kinds of games means they need to they need to have a product that is good but yeah, that remains to be seen because we all know what Bethesda is like. The development studio always has issues with bugs. The publishing studio recently also hasn't had a lot of hits. Like it, it seems to have gotten better since they were bought by Microsoft. But yeah, before that, they, they also weren't putting out that many great games. But yeah, I really hope Starfield lives up to the to the expectations and really sets the tone for Xbox going forward. As This is what an Xbox first party studio game looks like. At number 10, we have probably my most hyped game. Like this one probably should have been number one and that is Hades 2. Again, another kind of early access game coming out in 2023. So I think it will be on PC. I'm kind of a bit worried that they'll do the epic exclusivity again like they did for the first game and not put it on Steam because if it was on Steam, that would give me another argument to buy a Steam Deck. But yeah, Hades was, well, is probably my favorite game. It's such a a well-made game. It's a roguelike that came out in a, period where roguelikes were just very very samey because i i have i do play a lot of roguelikes and did play a lot of lot of roguelikes but i was getting kind of fatigued from them because sure like they changed things up but most of it was just the same thing of okay go into a dungeon get loot die upgrade a little bit go in and hades really shook that up one with the art style because it's a really really good looking game and when you look at most roguelikes, they don't tend to be that good looking. And two was the story. So it just gave you something to go back into. And, and the way that they kind of intertwine the story with your progression and with your deaths just works so perfectly. 
that, yeah, I'm just really happy that they're making a sequel. I was kind of expecting them to maybe make DLC for the original game and add some extra gods in that way. I guess now it's been almost two or three years since the, well, even longer before because the, the first game was in early access. So it's been years and years since they started working on it. So I guess it makes sense that they're making a sequel. I like that they've made a clean break with Zagreus and they're kind of telling another story from a very obtuse Greek uh, goddess, which is good because it, it gives them their own room to kind of make this story their own, which is, is really good because if you go with some of the, the more well-known gods and goddesses, it's harder and people complain that, oh, this isn't in the mythology, etc., etc. So yeah, I'm just excited to see what happens with the story. The graphics already look, look amazing. Also the combat, the combat for them, the first game felt very, very satisfying and very good. And the, the choices you had to make on each room was also great. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they evolve that. And yeah, Hades 2, if I can play it when it comes out, I will play it and I'll play it for a very long time because it's just a great game. And I'm actually looking forward to being there at the start of early access, hopefully, because I, I want to go on that journey of seeing the game in its early form and just how it evolves over time if you haven't seen it yet i really suggest you watch the the no clip documentary about um super giant games and the whole development of hades it goes from very early on in development to when the game launches really cool documentary to see how games are made especially games made at the start of covid and lockdown really really cool so i highly suggest you check it out and yeah hades 2 can't wait for it and last but by no means least is Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2. This game, or I should say the original game, has a bit of like a cult following. Like I remember picking it up in kind of one of these second-hand video game stores when I was back in university on, on Xbox 360, I think, not really knowing what the game was. But at the time, I was kind of getting into Warhammer 40k, so I was like, oh yeah, this looks kind of cool. And then, yeah, played it and have really fond memories of the game now. I think at the time I, I was a bit like, yeah, I'm not really sure about this game because it was very it was very much like a hack and slash game, but it was really cool how they portrayed you as a space marine. Yeah, now the second game released, or it was announced, I should say, with a really cool video that kind of just is a, is a complete hype video. And then since then, we've had, a couple, I think, a couple of videos showing gameplay. So I'm, I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing what they do with this game because I don't think a hack and slash game really now in, in 2023 would work. So I'm kind of hoping that they go along more of like a modern combat kind of melee attack. You know, we have a light attack on R1, a heavy attack on R2, and maybe they add in some some aspects of kind of like souls like where you actually, it's like skill-based combat. So you have to watch for enemy tells. And then maybe there are some areas that are a bit more like the original game with like hordes and hordes of enemies where it goes more hack and slash. I think that would be a really cool combination. And yeah, just in general, I think Warhammer and Games Workshop, they're just doing a really good job hand-selecting people to deal with their IPs. And that, that's not just in video games, but I mean, the books have always been really popular. The board game's been really popular. Now they're making really high quality video games with Vermintide and Darktide and the, the Total War games. They just got, um, they just licensed a TV series on Amazon Plus or whatever it's called with, with Henry Cavill leading it. So that's also, we're gonna have some like really cool TV stuff around Warhammer. And hopefully this game slots in as like really high quality content for Warhammer, brings more people into the, into the hobby. And yeah, I'm just really excited to play it when it comes out. So there you go, guys. Those are my most anticipated games of 2023. I hope you enjoyed listening to my insights on all of them. 2023, it's already shaping up. If all of these games release in it, I should say, it's shaping up to be one of the best games the best games one of the best years for video games these are just the games we know of and most of them i think are coming out quite early on in 2023 so for the back half maybe i need to make another podcast because i'm sure 
as the year progresses, we're going to get more announcements. But yeah, I would be really, really interested to see or to hear what your most anticipated games are. If you want to share your most anticipated games with me, if you're a Spotify listener, you can actually do that directly in, in the podcast. So if you go to the description below, there should be a question that will say something like, what is your most anticipated game of 2023? There you can leave an answer and um, yeah. Maybe on another episode of the show, I'll read out what people's most anticipated games were. If you're not listening on Spotify, you can just tweet me at Switch Indie Fix and let me know what your, your most anticipated game is or what your top 10 most anticipated games are. It would also be really interesting to know. Maybe there's some I missed. If yeah, if there is, is some really hyped up game that you think I've missed, also let me know via social media. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, guys. It would be really awesome if you could leave the podcast a review wherever you listen to it. Spotify, I think you can you can do it just below the, the follow button, which you can also press if you're a new listener um, but yeah reviews and following really help the podcast find new people uh, find new listeners and yeah we're still quite a very young podcast so i'd love to get it out to as many people as possible but yeah thank you so much for listening i hope you have a great 2023 whether that's playing your backlog games or playing some new ones and we'll see you in the next episode bye bye